You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Graham. I'm the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia, and I've got Laura Williams here with me. She's the vice chair. Chair of public policy. Chair And the chair of public policy, which is a good time for it right now because the General Assembly is in session, and uh, part of what we want to go over is... All of the all of the different bits of legislation that are going through, and what we're interested in and in, in focusing on. So, um, just kind of want to, you know, we haven't really had an episode for a little while, so I wanted to kind of go over an agenda and kind of get things going in a in a more um, uh, organized fashion. Uh, so, most of these will look like we'll have LP Georgia news, uh, which will be things that like just the goings ons of of us, right? Things that we've been working on. Uh, and then we'll do mainstream news. So we'll be responding to some of the stuff. Um, I, I can tell you, I usually pull stuff from the AJC politics page, uh, just because that's pretty much the easiest. And they're talking about what everybody's talking about anyway. So um, that's the best place for that. Legislation, which I'm, I'm pulling mostly from uh, Lara's notes. So, <laughs> And then um, upcoming events for all of our affiliates. Try to get you guys to, um, you know, if you're in the area, then you'll learn more about what's going on. I know a lot of people aren't on Facebook, so you don't necessarily know where the events are going on. Um, and we're trying to do a better job about keeping our, our website um, active on that too. So we'll just dive right into uh, LP Georgia News. So the biggest thing on our plate right now is helping to fund our ballot access lawsuit. Uh, we are in, uh, the lawsuit has been uh, decided in state court against us. And we are appealing to the 11th Circuit, the U.S. 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. And Who's we, Ryan? What do you mean? The Libertarian Party of Georgia, Martin Cowan. Uh, uh, who else is on that? Martin Cowan's the one always listed everywhere. <laughs> uh, is that what you meant? Is that the uh, question yes. you meant? Yeah, yeah. So the Libertarian Party of Georgia is a plaintiff on that. Um, Brian Sells is our lawyer. And he has been fighting for ballot access issues for a long time. He he. he Fights for voting rights issues as well, which I think ballot access is just another voting rights issue. Um, but we he he's doing it pro bono, but all of the costs, uh, out of pocket expenses, copies, you wouldn't yeah, believe what how it much. costs to get documents printed and delivered from people he needs to take testimony from. And yeah, all of, it's just amazing the kinds of court costs that can be stacked on you when you're fighting the state. Well, right now it's copies. The last bill I got from him was $2,000 for copies because you actually have to go through their department and then sure. they bill you, the court system bills you and it's crazy, crazy costs. You know, there's no way it costs that much to print a document. Right. So, um, we are fundraising for that still. Um, and our goal is fundraising to fundraise $20,000. Uh, we're hoping to get that done in the next two weeks. So um, if anyone wants to donate to that, uh, go to lpgeorgia.com and click on the help fund us. There's the very top of the page. There's a button that clicks don't to click donate. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it. <clears throat> so the next thing um, up was last week we did Justice Day 2020. Um, and that's that was in collaboration with our partners at the uh, Georgia Justice Reform uh, Georgia Justice Reform Project. Sorry, we went through Georgia Justice Partnership. Reform Georgia Justice Reform Partnership, man. We went through a couple of iterations of naming that that dang group, and it's uh, it's still a, a mouthful. So, <laughs> either way, that's neither here nor there. They do a lot of good work, and uh, we've been doing a lot of good work with them. 
So Justice Day was just another... another... 30 organizational sponsors. Yeah. Um, they had lawmakers in and out all day of the session up in the Sloppy Floyd building near the Capitol, talking about all kinds of issues around justice reform and criminal justice reform, as well as immigration issues, some of the peripheral uh, lockup questions that affect the civil liberties of Georgians. I think there's a good like eight hours of speakers on, on deck to just talk about all <laughs> kinds of different issues. It's, it was kind of it's kind of scattershot, right? You, you you get there and you get so upset about all of the different problems, and you're like, I just need to focus on one. Right? <laughs> How dare they shackle pregnant women? Wait, they're doing what to school kids? Wait, they're doing all the various issues come up, and you can be outraged about something new every forty five minutes all day, and all that that really tells us is how much work there is to do. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we had somewhere between like 10 and 12 people there uh, directly from the Libertarian Party of Georgia. A couple, a couple of guys volunteered um, helping out. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the work, good work that we can be doing, um, especially when it's not campaign season, I, I do understand it's campaign season now, is reaching out and having partnerships with like-minded organizations that may not be libertarian. But, but if they see us out there fighting the same battle that they're fighting, I think that resonates with people. Right. More so than saying we agree with you on the following issues, just showing up and being supportive of whatever they're working on, especially something that close to the center of what's happening, right? Right. That is really constructive work and coalition building that we need to be doing more of. Yeah, and I hope during campaign season you can... You know, you can put a candidate in the room with them and be like, what are your issues? What do you want to talk about? What do you want us to be writing press releases about? And we can start working together on that. I mean, that's what the Libertarian Party is. It's activism through running candidates. So, I mean, I know. But that's what we do. So, <clears throat> it's a way to to create a pedestal for us to stand mm-hmm. on, to talk about the issues that are important to us, regardless of winning and losing and all that stuff. That's the, the main goal is to create a pedestal for us to, to speak on. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So the next thing was um, just a piece of, of uh, just a piece in our, in our blog role that, that Laura actually wrote. Um, and it was basically about the Atlanta city council passing uh, ordinance to mandate that some landlords uh, accept federal vouchers. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the federal vouchers, the housing and urban development section eight dollars are funneled through a couple of city organizations. The Atlanta Housing Authority is a big part of administering those and people who have apartments and units for rent for a variety of reasons choose not to deal with that city system. The city maintains that the vouchers are as good as cash so uh, families below a certain income level, I think it's um, 50% of the median poverty or median poverty line is 50% of the median income. Okay. So it's always, no matter how you measure it, no matter what the city does in terms of wealth or poverty, it'll always be the bottom 25% of earners. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's relative. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is pinned to a percentage. Yeah. Against the median. Yeah. So you can never alleviate it because it all, it will, it, it's defined as 25%. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the bottom 25% yeah. is, no matter how poor or wealthy relatively. Right. So those people are in theory <clears throat> eligible for housing subsidized by these federal dollars and city programs so that they don't have to pay more than 30% of their income for housing. They, they are responsible for 30% of income and the city pays the difference essentially. Yeah. 
And the city says that's as good as cash. Landlords strongly disagree. Yep. There are a variety of um, random, somewhat, it sounds like, ineffective inspections that you have to submit to in order to be a Section 8 property. There are stipulations to what the dollars can and can't be used for. So, like, the first month's rent deposit. Right. That you might ask from a private tenant. You can't ask from the city. They don't offer that. So you lose that like that extra um, sense of security as a as a basically a loner, right? Right. There yeah. are lots of little things that frustrate landlords. Not to mention the whole program is pretty inefficient and unresponsive, as government programs tend to be in general. But th- like the last time they had their waiting list for housing open was in 2017. It was open for a week. Right. And they had 50,000 families they couldn't put on the waiting list. And like it's 30,000 on the waiting list right now, right? Right. So I guess the goal was to try to bring that number down by saying landlords can't refuse to do any kind of business with the uh, with a voucher tenant. Right. So it, it essentially protect, creates a new protected class. Yeah. The voucher recipient um, that it's illegal to deny housing to. Yeah, but I mean, what resonated with me is that it, it doesn't actually apply to all housing. It only applies to quote unquote affordable housing. So somebody who's renting their house at, you know, whatever, $1,000 a month, I think that's probably decent. Um, that's probably afford- affordable housing for, yes. for the size and the yes. area that it would be in. Um, and so you have $1,000 a month. And what they'll end up doing is just increasing their rent to $1,500 a month, kind of arbitrarily, just so that they don't have to be included in this right. uh, you know, subsection. Housing, and so you're yeah. actually decreasing the supply of, quote unquote, affordable housing while you're attempting right. to rectify the situation. The, the reasons that they don't want to accept vouchers or voucher residents won't change. Yeah. So what you've created is an incentive to either move your affordable unit out of the range of however the city defines affordable housing right or to transition it into some other kind of property use other than residential yeah yeah right so you could turn it into condos and then this wouldn't apply to you yeah and so yeah what you've done is instead of um instead of having this house that's that's affordable for a thousand dollars a month you've created a situation where now that affordable housing is gone and now more people are relying on the system but there's still thirty thousand people sitting on that wait list right so uh yeah it's like one of those things that i I, it's i get i get why you might think this was a good idea yes but like if you think any any kind of hard about it like (laughs) do any amount of critical thinking yep it's not a good idea. I'm going to violate the non-aggression principle, tie these people down, and read them Freakonomics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> like, whatever you're trying to do yeah. doesn't really matter. Let's look at what the incentives are that you've created, Yeah, which is to scale back the amount of affordable housing and make it harder for people to get off the voucher program once they're on. Yeah. Well, and, and like the week before, there was news that they were trying to override the state mandate that there's no rent control. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get a waiver for that. And it's like even even people from the left think that that's bad, right? The Brookings Institute actually just put out this big study saying rent control is a massive failure. Yeah. It does the exact opposite of what you want it to do. Yeah, it has failed absolutely everywhere it's yeah. been tried. Yeah, and so it's like what... Guys, don't do it. We don't do this for the feelings, right? We do this to help people. That's right. the goal. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> For some people, certainly in state government, the goal is to get reelected and you'll say whatever you have to say. And maybe you believe it's a good idea. Maybe you just think other people like the sound of it. Right. <clears throat> I guess I've become more of a cynic the more exposed to the workings of government I am. Yeah, I, I think it's that, that whole, like, don't attribute to malice, which you can attribute to ignorance or yeah. whatever it is. Like, I, I sort of, like, live my life by that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just don't know any better. People are worlds more stupid than they are evil. Exactly. That is, there's no exactly. doubt about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's not worth their time to figure it out because people hear those nice things and they'll vote for them. So it's not even worth their time to go learn anymore. Right. And <laughs> the, the amount of things that legislators are expected to understand pretty well yeah. in a given you oh, know, yeah, it's legislative it's session, silly. it's impossible it's silly, yeah. that they could form like nuanced opinions they I have a certain number of city talking council points. people would maybe do pretty well with housing though right like <laughs> in theory you think they'd want to know a little bit about housing yeah that <laughs> should be big for them <laughs> all right so um lp georgia news a little short uh just because um one piece that we normally would have put in there we're going to put in legislation um so some of these things have a little uh they they over overlap but as they should figure out where to put things yeah um, so I want to get into the mainstream news, and um, there's not a ton here. Uh, I'll do a better job next week of, of keeping tabs, but the the other thing is legislation uh, is going to be huge. That's what a lot of the mainstream news is right now, so um, that's what it should be. That's what mm-hmm. I like focusing on anyway. Um, well, most of the mainstream news is really boring because it's about the presidential politics, even the Georgia-related and, stuff, and, and I'm like, just shut the up. horse race. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't care. I just don't care that much like tell me about what's happening in georgia even if you want to talk about the presidential politics tell me who about those polls nope or something like polls aren't news stop uh, falling for that i know (laughs) i know all right so the mainstream news this week um you're gonna hear a lot about qualifying in the following week so all of the candidates in georgia for state and federal offices have to qualify from um tomorrow at like 9 a.m to friday at 5 p.m something like that so um the big news that you won't hear on the mainstream news that you're going to hear here is that we have candidates qualifying. Hooray! Libertarians <laughs> on the ballot. Yeah. So um, we have two Senate candidates. Uh, one of them is running in the proper general election against uh, Purdue and whomever ends up winning the Democratic primary. Uh, and that's Shane Hazel. And he is the um, host of the Rebellion podcast. Uh, he ran for U.S. House in District 7 as a Republican two years ago. Uh, and did pretty well on a pretty tight budget. Uh, but Rob Woodall, establishment candidate, uh, just kind of steamrolled him. Um, so that was that was pretty tough. But he's come back and he has seen the light. Libertarianism is where it's at. <laughs> the Libertarian Party is where it's at. Absolutely. I think he was liberty-minded all along. Oh, yeah. And f- you know, fiercely anti-war and didn't have much of a home. Yeah. That's what he he in liked Georgia to, Republican he he liked circles. he liked to, to I haven't heard him say this recently but he liked to call all the Republicans rhinos you know you're a rhino you're a rhino and I was like at some point you have to look at yourself and say if everyone else is yeah. a rhino maybe you're the rhino uh, and then a couple of weeks later he told me he was considering running as a libertarian so nice I guess it it worked <laughs> and if you're not listening to Shane Hazel and Banks Wise on 
The Rebellion, Rebellion Pod. You absolutely should be. It's rebellionpod.com. Yep, they're awesome. They talk about national politics mostly, but they are based in Georgia. And uh, Banks Wise is the, um, I think he's he's on the staff of Matt Gertler, who's a very liberty-minded Republican in the state yes. house. Who's chief of staff and campaign director. I don't know if he's chief like of staff, that. but now he's, he is the campaign manager now of Matt Gertler's newly announced uh, U.S. House run. He's running for uh, Doug Collins' seat, not as a libertarian, so... Less news here. Um, now, you might see some pictures of Shane going in with Matt Gertler to qualify, actually. So they're all buddies and, and tight and all that. So um, the other Senate it's candidate... It's a lonely world otherwise. I know. I know. <laughs> it's rough in Georgia, especially. Yeah. The, the trail of the libertarian-minded candidate is can be a lonely one, especially when you're running for the big offices. So. Absolutely. So um, the other the other office that's up for Senate is the special election, and so that's the jungle primary where there's already I think three or four Democrats. There's um, two two Republicans, right? There's Loeffler and, and Do you Collins. Briefly explain a jungle primary. Yeah, so basically anyone who wants to qualify for it can, and independent. It, it's a nonpartisan race in Georgia, but you'll still see people's you know letters next to people's names. But it's technically a nonpartisan race, which means independents, third parties. As many Democrats who want to enter, as many Republicans who want to enter, they're all going to go on one big ballot, and if nobody gets a majority vote, you get a runoff, which with those numbers, you're going to get a runoff. Right. <laughs> Another problem that could be solved with ranked choice voting. Right. Exactly. And a great example of a ballot with more than two or three choices that Georgians seem to handle just fine. Yeah, well, they, they don't complain about the, the cost of these. So, right. uh, well, they, they have kind of caused a little bit of a hubbub about this one just because the people who want Doug Collins to win uh, think that the, he'll do better if there's a primary. And mm. so they're trying to change the rules mid-game, mm. which Imagine is exactly that. what they do, right? Yeah. They're just showing exactly what they normally do. Whether it's a good idea or not is, is not the base of their arguments they they may say something like that right but it is all about it's only doug collins supporters who support that mm. <laughs> so <laughs> there's something there um anyway so our candidate um we ha- we actually endorsed two candidates at our um convention so they don't have to get any kind of nomination from us to go and be on the ballot but we did at as the convention. right yep. as liberty as libertarians they just that's write right. that on their paperwork and that's the truth that's absolutely right so um brian slowinski is um scheduled to to qualify for that and um I, I his history is he i think he was with the republican party he was on their kind of executive committee hmm. like what we have um, back in the day and has run for office multiple times and um, he's been getting really involved he's he's a member of the lnc platform committee now we we had an appointment because we have so many members um and we appointed him we voted we voted him on that um and he's been getting really involved so i'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with that yep all you right say his name twice more oh yeah his big thing is he says his name three times so brian slowinski brian slowinski Brian Slowinski. I hope he's listening. There's good research on that. He's not wrong. I know, I know it's good. But he starts and ends every speech with it. And it's yeah. very, like, in your face. It's great. But even when people make fun of him, they have to do it by saying his name. That's right. I think it's there's a particular genius in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next thing, uh, we'll, we'll do statewide candidates next. Uh, well, all, all the statewide candidates first. So um, we, we have two public service commission candidates in, in play right now. And uh, Elizabeth Melton is in PSC 1. And Nathan Wilson is in PSC 4, I believe. I believe it's 4. 
Um, it doesn't matter. Those are both statewide, so everyone can vote for both of those candidates. There's no, anywhere in Georgia. Anywhere yep. in Georgia. It's very silly that it says it's districted anyway. Um, and it's looking like, uh, I didn't check the ethics website this weekend, but I did on Friday, and um, Elizabeth Melton may be running against uh, only a Republican. Ooh. Yeah, so she might be like... Two-way race. Yeah. That, she that's might, a good way to set a, a vote record. That's right. That's like serious stuff. That's... um. That's a good situation to be in. So sh- the baseline there, even in like a paper candidacy, right? If there's very little campaigning going on, is probably Just north of 30%. Just the people who would vote against the Republican, regardless of <clears throat> yep. who else was there, yep. is going to be around half. Yep. And she's awesome. She'll talk about Lord of the Rings and her speeches and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> Relatable, accessible, went to bat for us on... A huge race that That's right. needed a candidate. That's right. And, so, she, and she's the chair of the Chattahoochee Valley affiliate, which is Columbus and mm-hmm. uh, so the Muscogee County area, uh, six counties around that. I'm not 100% sure. There's too many counties in Georgia for me to keep track of. But um, she's been super involved and in, in, um, out there, and now she's stepping up to get involved on the state level. Melton. Melton. <laughs> Melt. <laughs> M-E-L-T-O-N. Right. Let's not do this every time. Look all her right. up, kick her a few bucks. She's holding a heavy bat for all of us in that's, this election. That's right. Uh, and so Nathan Wilson, he is picking up the North Georgia district. Um, again, I keep saying that, and this probably by design in the system, but he is a statewide candidate. He was our executive director for a time. He's been XCOM for a time. He's basically the reason that the LP stayed afloat um, for a number of years. Um, in the past decade. So um, he has really been uh, integral to our organization. Mm-hmm. And now he's stepping up again in a way that we need him to run for office as a, you know, a statewide candidate. Mm-hmm. So public service commission is a, oh man, that's what I ran for. And I tell you what, it's just not that much fun. It is this thankless um, job. Yeah. You go look at it and, and it is, um, it's so frustrating because uh, the libertarian says this this position should not even exist. It's so hard to run for. Right. And you can't run on that because you can't get rid of it as as one. Like right. you can't just say it shouldn't exist. So like what I'm Yeah, you sort of ran for that office in self-defense. Yeah. Like if this office exists, it should be occupied by someone who thinks it shouldn't. Right. Yep. That might it's you you have often made the joke about you need a libertarian on every zoning committee. Mhm. Do you own the property? Then yes. Do you own the property? Then yes. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, and finally, we have one U.S. House candidate, um, and that is Martin Cowan. He is running in District 11? 13. 13. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'll have to look that up. Uh, Martin Cowan has run for U.S. House. Um, He is also a plaintiff on the ballot access lawsuit. So, we're going to collect signatures for him. There is no doubt in my mind that no matter how many people we could get signed up to volunteer to do that, it would be impossible. That's sort of the basis of the lawsuit um, and sort of the basis of the law. They were not intending anybody to be able to get on the ballot. Right. The point is to set the bar high enough. And try, right? You have to show them that you're trying. Right. And so we're trying. We're going to get out there. We're going to work on it. Uh, he's got a plan. He's got a, uh, He's got a plan to get... To go out on um, primary day mm-hmm. and get registered voters, so you registered get a very registered high... voters who are already um, in their home district. That's right, and 
politically active enough to go vote in a partisan primary yep. is a good indicator that they might be willing to sign a petition that says he should be allowed to appear on a ballot. Yep. It's important for all of us to be explaining whenever it comes up that this does not obligate you to vote for someone. It doesn't indicate that you agree with their ideas. It is just trying to get somebody the right to be on a ballot, or in our case, the right to sue to prove that the signature requirement is a terrible idea that is intended to disenfranchise the voters of certain kinds of opinions. That's right. And it's um, it's really good uh, touch point to, to talk to, to voters about the issue because a lot of them don't realize. They're like, mm-hmm. why don't you guys run for office more? And I'm like, well, I, we try. Yeah. We'd love to. And I've had plenty of people when I'm when I'm calling candidates and trying to recruit candidates, well, I'd love to, but I'm not doing that signature crap. Right. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, and it's hard to we blame We lose them. people. Yeah. <laughs> The oh, return yeah. on investment is atrocious, and at best, even if you collect you know twenty five percent more signatures than you're supposed to need, you submit them for validation through the Secretary of State office, who is <clears throat> which is a partisan office under the current administration who has little to no incentive to allow new competitors onto the ballot yeah and as as part of our lawsuit, we actually got somebody from the Secretary of State's office to admit that there's actually no way to confirm signatures, valid signatures, because they have access to some other database that gives like time, you know, so if, if somebody signs something at one street address and then they move and they do this, like we can't confirm it. If it's the wrong address, we, we have to say it's a bad address, mm. you know, so like they've, they've, they went and have testified that it's impossible for us to validate our own signatures. Yeah. So we're literally giving it to them and saying, you know, crossing our fingers and saying, please, yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's great. Please ignore your own campaign spending for next year and allow more people to run against you, please. Well, and we don't have to accuse them of anything. Plenty of other people are at this point, right? Like, right. Like, that office is known now as being a little nefarious, so. Yeah, it, of it being in good. the business of voter suppression. It does not smell good, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next thing up on the mainstream news, um, the, the, the biggest thing is the budget. So the uh, the General Assembly right now is going through this whole budget warfare thing. And we've talked about this before, where Kemp actually wants to cut 4% of the budget this year and 6% of the budget next year. Um, it's very Reductions Im- in the rate of growth. Yeah, it's just very, to be it, clear. It is very important to note that we actually dug into it, and it is still about a 2% increase. Yep. It's not a 4% decrease. That That it's... When people talk about this, it's so infuriating. And I've, I have heard to, uh, I, I wish I wish I had the legislator's name, but he was on um, Political Rewind and he was saying, just so you know, we're still increasing the budget. Like that's made up. Like when people say that, they, yeah. that's just the way you talk, but we're increasing the budget year over year. And always have and always will. And always have and always will. <clears throat> so um, it's sort of come into this big, you know, a, a tug of war with the governor's office because he wants to cut the budget, but also give teachers uh, an additional two thousand uh, dollars. He gave him three thousand dollars his first year. He wants to give salary him, bumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he gave so he wants to give him another two thousand dollars. He promised in his campaign five thousand dollars, so he's trying to make good on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is the House wants to do a couple things too. They want to cut the income tax uh, by about a, I think a quarter percent. They want to do. Uh, and basically they're saying, well, we can't do all these things together, right? It's just right. not the money that 
them exist. So what you end up seeing are Republicans trying to draft laws to make up uh, tax revenue. So people were places where there were loopholes. They're trying to close the loopholes, which is good or bad. Um, no, it's bad. <laughs> exactly. More people keeping their own money is not a loophole. Yeah. But- I'm like, close the loophole, give it to everybody. Don't make it a loophole. So <laughs> don't be a hater, right? <laughs> That's valid, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is a factor of how opaque the tax code is. Yeah. That loopholes exist for people who know where they are and how to exploit them or who can employ someone to do that. Yeah. And then the average person doesn't get it. I, I see closing a loophole like repealing a tax break as just a new tax. That's what it is. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's exactly what it is. So you see Republicans increasing taxes, essentially, mm-hmm. yep. is, is, is what's happening, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that that's what they campaign against. So they're sitting there saying, I want to reduce income tax, but they're, on the other hand, they're adding all these taxes other places. And then um, the other thing that they are looking at is gambling, legalized gambling mm-hmm. in various ways. Um, the, the the thing that smells the worst to me about all this is is I know they're going to put in a licensing structure and it's mm-hmm. going to be legalized booking, you know, book, booking, bookmaking, bookmaking mm-hmm. for certain people, right? It's going to be licensed. There's going to sure. be 10 licenses or whatever. Right. I couldn't run a, a bookkeeping business out of my house for my friends still. I'd no. still get a, a, in trouble yeah, for that. Yeah, you still can't have a final four pool at work. That's right. Yeah. Well, well uh, I think you can have that right now, but I don't know. I don't know the legality of it, but nobody's coming after anybody for it. They could. They could. Though. Yeah. It is technically <laughs> illegal. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Mostly because they can't be sure they can tax your winnings. Yeah. If they were sure they could, they'd make that legal. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, that I, you know, I, I'm all for legalized gambling. I, I, right now, I think gambling is legal. The, the state just has a monopoly on it. Mm. <laughs> so we want to demonopolize it as much as possible. Valid. I mean, you That's look a good the, way to frame it. Yeah. yeah. You I mean, you look at the, uh, the, um, the lottery, the lottery yeah. and that is a state-owned... Sure. Uh, yeah, that's state-owned gambling, and nobody else has it. So it's basically a socialist program, not to use a dirty word. Um, but that's what it is. And so we need to expand it as much as possible. The sad part is is they're not going to expand it the right way, and we're just going to have to keep on fighting to expand it to everyone, <laughs> not just to make it legal for the haves. So, um, I mean, that's enough about the budget, I think. If anyone has any questions, um, please reach out to us any, any way you want, um, Facebook or email, um, and we'll give all that information at the end. So we'll move right into the legislation, which is what we figured would be kind of the meat and potatoes of this, and we're just 30 minutes in, so um, it's good timing. I wanted to keep it this at about an hour, I think. Yeah, good. Um, so the biggest thing that I had on my plate to talk about was, uh, well, Laurie had another piece. Um, what? Yep. Yeah. If anybody else would like to publish a piece, I would love to edit it and post it for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you go to lpgeorgia.com and up at the top, it's uh, ways to get involved. There is submit a blog and anything you want to talk about. If, if any of these resonate with you and you want to write something about it, if it's just a from a libertarian perspective, let's talk about this, then um, submit it. We, we'd love to post it. Absolutely. So. Once you realize you've wasted half an hour trying to correct your sister-in-law on Facebook, just like drop it in an email and let us create an article out of it. Then you'll have a byline you can send. That's right. 
So um, the first one up is HB 994, which is a bill that is meant to expand the definition of gangs um, and essentially to any group of people, right? We've got this database in Georgia that right. is full of 17,000 people. So far. Right now. It's been in, in use a month. <laughs> and 17,000 people are in that. And these are not people convicted of gang activity. These are people suspected of being in gangs. And that can be used against them. There's a database of them, which all the libertarians listening right now should know that that's terrifying. Yeah. Anytime you've got a database of people who whose rights are worth a little less than everybody else's, that will inevitably be abused. Even if you're fine with the initial use, count on it getting used for something else. You want to talk about like gun rights and the no-fly list? Right. You know? That sure. no-fly list was not meant for that, but... Medical cannabis cards. Oh, for, gun, for are guns now in gun Hawaii, right? Yeah. yeah. In, in a number of states now, they've been using that to interfere with people's Second Amendment rights. Well, you have to... We're going to do a little side here. You do have to check a box saying that you're not doing any illicit drugs or anything when you get your gun license. That's mm-hmm. a federal thing. And if you don't check it and you have a, uh, a license, you're mm-hmm. technically, you know, committing perjury. Yeah. But but not if you have a medical cannabis card in Georgia because you still can't get it. You still can't get it. That's so right. So it doesn't mean you've ever actually used That's right. cannabis. You yeah. could have a medical card and have never. I have it because I'd like it. But doesn't mean I have it. Yeah, because you believed in a program that was supposed to provide you something, but it's Georgia, so give us a decade. Yeah. Um, so so this, this bill is... Um, it's pretty terrible. Um, do you want to talk about any of the high points of your article? or I wrote the article, published it, and put it out of my mind. It adds 33 <laughs> new uh, offenses for which 13 to 16-year-olds can be uh, labeled as active members of gangs and be fast-tracked into enhanced, quote-unquote, enhanced sentencing. It's about, you know, as enhanced as... Enhanced interrogation. Yeah. Um, into mandatory minimums, into uh, life sentences, and into the death penalty. So we are already trying 17-year-olds as adults in Georgia. This would extend that line down um, to the age of 13, where you know, you're know you not allowed to do literally anything, including not go to school. Um, you are not considered by the state to be capable of making adult choices, but you will pay adult consequences right. for uh, being associated with people who are involved in criminal activity. Right. Any criminal activity. Right. Anything that could be considered uh, a violation of the law. So if you get people for you know loitering or vandalism or... Any number of these sort of low-level crimes that are used to control populations in certain neighborhoods, um, you're going to get people who, in the course of living their lives, are violating the law, as are we all, some law or another, to some extent or another. Right. Right. I walk our dog occasionally on a leash that is longer than six feet. On state park property. And if I did that with you, we'd be a gang. Right. <laughs> Actually, it might be enough for you to have knowledge that I do that and oh, not have told Jesus. someone. All right. Well, hey, we're all part of a gang now. Everyone listening. Womp womp. You just made everybody gang members. Well, I didn't. 
The terrible law did. <laughs> All right, so this is kind of one of those examples of like a tough-on-crime law from the 90s that we've all kind of admitted now and realized was a mistake. Does not make anyone and safer. That's right. And and what we're finding is that there's a lot of rehabilitation things that we can be doing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways that we can be going lighter on, you know, putting people in cages and we can be doing better as a society. This is the opposite of that. Especially kids. Especially kids. That's right. Right. We... We know from empirical research, we know from sociological research, we know from the best, you know, religious and moral and ethical teachings of any day that kids are uniquely able to adapt and capable of redemption. Right. And like, there's so much we can do for kids 13 to 16 who are hanging out with known criminals. Well, like, lots of things can be done for them that is not labeling them a criminal and fast-tracking them into prison. Putting them in the system. Right? It's yeah. just, like, exactly the worst thing you could do yeah. to an already over-policed neighborhood right. where half the men in your community might have criminal records for one reason or another. The drug war on drugs being a huge part the of that. part of it, yeah. But also, um, like, anytime you talk about a license... Right, a license to drive, a license to have a gun. Right, there are people who do those things and don't fill out the paperwork and pay the state. Right, all of those things are criminal activity. Right, driving without a license. I found out recently the most common reason people spend time in jail uh, is driving on a suspended license. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is not driving without a license. Right, it's not as though you never learned to drive or never passed a right. test. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's you didn't pay your extortion fee last year, or we suspended your license for some other social control reason. Failure to appear. That's why I went. It's the only time I've ever been to jail. <laughs> Full disclosure. My only jail time has been driving on a suspended license for failure to appear. Yeah. The fact that you didn't go to jail on purpose is what makes it short on the libertarian cred. What? I didn't, didn't go on purpose? I know. Oh. If you had, oh, then yeah. it would be... A mark on your resume. No, jail sucks, man. I'm not trying to go there for any reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A little sidecar to that, too. There's another bill, and I wasn't prepared to talk about it, so I don't have the bill name here. But it is to increase the age where you can be um, tried as an adult to um, from like 14 or something yeah. to 17. They're calling it the raise the age law. Yeah. So if you want to look it up. That's another It's another good bill. Um, it's sort of like a lot of people, I think, look at it and say, what, you mean kids aren't just tried as kids? <laughs> what do you mean right, we try them as adults? Surprised to know that there are kids in that category. And Georgia's one of only a handful of states that tries 17-year-olds as adults habitually. Yeah. Um, or younger. Really, right. Right now. And yeah. we, at Justice Day, heard a secondhand account of a legislator who didn't want to uh, allow this bill to go through because they were counting on the increased revenue from adult fines. Right. And the fines in juvenile court are half as much, and they weren't willing to give up that revenue. God. So just, that's it, it why hurts. we're locking up kids. It hurts. Right. It, it's almost like they can't hear themselves talk. Uh, all right. So the next thing here, there's there's two bills that I, I sort of, um, I oppose one and I'm, I'm for the other one. And I, I just wanted to put them out there because they are kind of from the same group of legislators. And there's a bit of hypocrisy going on. So there's a bill in uh, HB 915 and it's titled the Anti-Sanctuary Act. 
And it basically makes it against the law. It makes it against state law to create any local laws that prohibit any law enforcement from cooperating with ICE. So sanctuary cities, right? So Clarkston, for instance, is a city that is notorious for having a lot of immigrants there. And they also have... Not, not notorious. That, that isn't what you meant to say. It's a big part of their, their culture have, and charm. They, they have, are not notorious. They have notoriety in that. Isn't that what I that word means? Notoriety is not generally a positive characteristic. Oh, I... I didn't mean it in a negative way. I yeah, uh, yeah that isn't what I. Intended. They are well known. They're well known for having they're famous a welcoming community of immigrants and refugees. Yeah. One of the things that makes that possible is that they their police force does not enforce does not work with ICE. They, they don't, don't cooperate inf- they don't co- with yeah yeah federal if, immigration policy. Yeah, if they pull someone over and they determine that that person is not a citizen. They will ticket them for whatever they pulled them over for and, yeah, and leave it at move that. Move along. Yep. Right? They don't transfer you to a detention facility and uh, report you, right. which is what a number of jurisdictions in Georgia do. Yeah. So this this would basically make that illegal for Clarkson to, to do what they're doing. And that, to, to me, is it, it flies in the face of this idea of small government and having lo- local... Federalism. Yeah, federalism. I hate. I don't like that word though, because to me it sounds wrong. Um, Interesting, but it is what it is. Federalism to me sounds like big government. I don't know. I don't know why. Sure, um, but it's not. So you know, you you talk about having state laws, um, and it's you know fifty uh, laboratories for mm-hmm. experiments. But like, you can even go smaller than that, right? So you can look at Clarkston, and they can make this law that says we're not going to enforce this other bad law and we're going to we're going to make our bed and we're going to lie in it and whether that's good yeah. or bad we're willing to live with the consequences yeah we'll figure it out and then the rest of us can figure out if it's good too so we can get good data on what's mm-hmm. working and what's not um, I don't necessarily care about the data because I, I just think it's right to let people, you know, be where they're going to be. Yeah. As long as they're being peaceful, like, <laughs> I don't have a problem with it. Right. So uh, regardless if that's good for the community or bad for the community, I, I actually don't care. Because uh, <laughs> it's good for people. It's good for individual rights. It's good for liberty. And that's really what I care about. Sure. So <laughs> um, either way. If so, you're annoyed that there are immigrants in your town, feel free to move. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> So they have this same, they have the same, um, or, or work with your local government to, to, to change the law, but don't get the state to mandate that they want to limit the liberty of the people living there, right? That's, that part of it is really frustrating to me. Right. And it's also a budgetary concern. Right? They're, they're forcing willing- them to allocate resources to a thing that they just didn't want to prioritize. Right. <laughs> right. Because the feds think it's important. Yeah, and there, I mean, there's some, there's some Georgia towns that literally like employ one police officer, mm-hmm. and they're just like, well, I'm not going to do that because I have better things to do with my time, and they, and they most certainly do. Sure. Uh, and they're saying, no, yeah, this is the best thing you can do with your time. Actually, we're going to come in, we're going to arrest you if you don't do this. Yeah, I don't know what the what the penalties would be for noncompliance. Yeah, with I would imagine it's. Some sort of negotiated bureaucratic fine or something for the city, so taxpayers there are going to have to pay something. Sure. Um, So the 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 hypocrisy is there's this other bill, um, HB seven fifty one, and it is the anti red flag uh, Second Amendment Conservation Act. So what it does is it makes it illegal for any law enforcement to enforce any potential federal red flag law. So there aren't any red flag laws at this point. 
In Georgia. And, well, or they're saying fe- federally, right? And so there's these threats coming from on high that that might be what's coming. Uh, and they're, they're getting ahead of it. They're saying that if any of these go in, if any of our law enforcement does anything to do with that, we can find them. And it is finding the, the law enforcement officer, which is really weird for Republicans to yeah. like go after the, the law the enforcement officer. Officers, yeah. Um, but still, so they're going in and they're saying, look, local municipalities can't make decisions for themselves and we're going to come in and we're going to punish them if they do, yeah. but we can make decisions and the federal government can't do anything about it. It's the same. It's the same idea. They just think that they can get away with it, essentially. Right. So there are some issues where you're willing to let local law enforcement push back against government overreach, and there are some areas where you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Immigrant, so, immigrants versus guns. So I mean, I, the hypocrisy. Libertarians there. say, as usual, leave everyone alone. That's right. It's like no matter what you think about immigration, because I think libertarians sort of fall on um, you a know, spectrum. It's it's like twenty five percent anti immigrant, seventy five percent open borders or whatever. Not maybe not even open borders. That might be too yeah. too liberal uh, um, uh, a term. A phrasing but, of it. Yeah. They're, or typically a little bit more open to having immigrants come in. Or right? at least but, not criminalizing people once they're here. Yeah. So, so I mean, I just thought it was worth pointing out that and and the hypocrisy that it's it's sort of the same lawmakers. It's not even like the same law body, which can have a plethora of, of opinions. Sure. This is like... They contradict um, themselves all the time. It's like the same people <laughs> in that body, can't, law body. Can't see the difference between the two laws. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's a little frustrating. Um, so the next big one, um, we always get accused of caring about cannabis too much. So uh, we couldn't have, uh, well, we have two cannabis ones coming mm-hmm. up. So, um, But the big one that we were keeping an eye on is HB 847. Um, the background here is Georgia made hemp legal, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, some counties across the state have basically said, well, we can't tell the difference between hemp and cannabis on if we pull you over. And if you right. say it's not cannabis, we have to test it, right? And the reason, by the way, that you can't tell the difference is because it is the same plant. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The, you have to the, test it. Like, you have to go into a laboratory right. and test it to see w- whether what it, it is. contains um, forbidden levels of the psychoactive uh, chemical THC. THC. Yeah. yeah. Right? So there's like a, a maximum threshold. Is it 0.3%? Uh, I think it's less than one. For industrial. I think it's just 1%. Okay. Industrial hemp, um, which is farmed for a multitude of other uses. Yeah. Um, all, all of which are good for Georgia's economy and virtually all of which are good for the planet. And we want to encourage. But at some point, the officers noticed that they could not tell the difference between this legal hemp flower. Right. And illegal cannabis, also hemp, <laughs> flowers, more commonly known as bud. Right. Right. Uh, so instead of acknowledging that and, you know, not arresting people for possessing plants, the legislature is looking to go the other way, which is to also ban transportation of the currently legal industrial hemp flower. Well, it's it's not that. So it, it's it's sort of interesting. They they basically said it would be. Um, until they can figure out what it is, they the original bill said, and I think they've changed this, but it put, it's just said leafy green substance. <laughs> so I could have a bag of basil 
you know, or I mint. take fresh herbs to, from or our something. garden to friends all the time. That's right. And so it, it would base and, and basically it would say, we're going to assume your guilt. We can arrest you, put you in jail until we figure out what this is. Oh boy. Which is just total backwards. Yeah. I mean, that's not the way the law works. That's nope. not the way any of this works. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, acting out the meme. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, I was doing my hands, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, that is so blatantly... I mean, we, we could challenge this in court, but we shouldn't have to. Yeah. Right? This is silly on its face. And uh, so, so basically, unless you have papers that prove that you had hemp coming from one of these approved hemp manufacturer or whatever... Yeah. Because there's only like growers. 10 farms and 10 manufacturers that can exist in Georgia. It's very stupid. Um Unless you have paperwork proving that's where it came from, you could just be arrested on the spot and sent to jail, which is very silly. Um, All right. So the next one is, did did you have anything else on that? No. All right. So the next one sort of a twin um, bills. We normally see this uh, bill uh, crop up in the Senate. Harold Jones, the third Senator Harold Jones, some number. Um, It's probably (laughs) offensive. I don't know, but I'm not sure. Uh, he often puts in a decriminalization bill for under some amount of ounces of cannabis, mm-hmm. uh, that it would be a misdemeanor and that it would only be a fine. You don't have any jail time. You don't have any fingerprints. You don't have anything like that. Um, All good news. All good ideas. Yep. So this year it is under two ounces and it would make it a $300 fine. Uh, we found that the number of ounces generally goes down, I think. And the fine goes up as we're trying to find the sweet spot for for this. You know what? What can actually get passed? What can we get past exactly? Oof. So, so Senator Jones is a um, he's been at this for a number of years. You can go back and look at his record. He always puts this bill forward. It always has some number different mm-hmm. in those two spots. Interesting. So I want a little chart, <laughs> yeah, of the data points. <laughs> so this at year, least we'll know what doesn't work. This year it's SB ten, so we got in there early. Everyone knew he was coming, I guess. <laughs> Um, but the interesting thing about this year is HB 550 got introduced, and it's essentially the same bill. So under two ounces of cannabis possession uh, would be a misdemeanor with a $300 fine, and they're attacking it from the House side of things, too, which is, I mean, that I think it's mm-hmm. it's worth noting. It's, so, it's very smart. Yeah. So, and our partners at Peachtree Normal, mm-hmm. the Georgia chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, were allowed to sponsor the Wild Hog Supper for the first time at the beginning of the legislative session. So they, I guess they had tried before and been turned away because they have a big old pot leaf in their logo. And I think they've always been there. I don't know. They have always sent people, but they yeah. have never been allowed to sponsor before. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. So there is clearly some cooling of tempers up there and some willingness to hear what might be next. Uh, I mean, I hear a mixed bag. There's still a lot of old timers there up at the up under the under the gold dome. Um, <clears throat> Whose grandkids are definitely not smoking pot in their suburban garages. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> recently had a um, combat vet uh, send me a private message telling me that he talked to his uh, he talked to his legislator about about CBD oil high THC CBD oil and wanting that. And he said, that's just too much like marijuana and we can't have any of that. Mm-hmm. And he's telling a combat vet that mm-hmm. like, okay, well that's, that's just messed up. What do you mean too much like marijuana? What does that mean? What? It, 
I mean, it is They're, the it just, is the voice of the reefer madness. I know. Nixon misinformation campaigns, and they are unable to integrate what they know to be true about you know the state of society in places in the thirty states where this is legal in some form, and the world is not coming apart at the seams. My only point is that's not an argument. It's too much like marijuana. Like, that's not a... Those yeah. aren't real words. They don't mean anything. I mean, they're real words, but they don't mean anything. Yeah. So, you know, come up with something. Tell me something real. That's all. But they can't, so no, they don't. just going to... There is nothing real. I know. He's that's just going to tell you a different lie. That's what's frustrating. Yeah. That's what bothers me about it. All right, so the last bill on here is HB 528, um, and that is the bill to expand expungement. So there's this interesting idea in Georgia where you can't actually get your... So expungement is basically being able to get your record sealed so that if there's a background check or if there's anything like that, yeah. it doesn't get reported. So you can you can check the box, no, I'm not a felon, essentially. Yeah. And Offers no record. you more opportunities as far as student loans, housing opportunities. Right. Um, employment is a huge thing. Not having to report yourself as a felon after you have completed your sentence, and then usually some number of years. Right. You are offered the option to stop reporting the crime you committed. So we've been fighting for this. We're part of this uh, coalition called Second Chance for Georgia. The Georgia Justice Project has been putting that on and and uh, being, uh, being a leader on that issue. And we've signed on. We've been fighting on that, uh, fighting with them on that. And there's this bill now um, called, called uh, well, I don't know what it's called. It's HB 528. And there's this weird idea in Georgia where they say if it's a violation of moral turpitude, and they've defined moral turpitude as all of them because they didn't define them. Right. And so this bill actually goes in and, def- and defines those violations as this plethora of um, violent Crimes. So mm-hmm. Second Chance for George is all about expanding expungement opportunities for nonviolent criminals specifically. So we're not talking about going out there and saying if you murdered somebody and you've been out for however long, you can get that expunged. No. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying assault. Nobody's saying rape. Nobody's talking about any of that kind of stuff. No one is even saying fraud and financial crime, we're, which I know is something that can come up. Yeah. You know, I need to know this in my background That's check. That's actually kind of important. Yeah. Right. I need to know this in my background check yeah. if this is something that... You have been known to do in the past. It doesn't matter if it was five years ago. I have a right to know that before I let you touch my company's books. I get that. Right. Right. This is not that. Right. So this bill essentially says that violations of moral turpitude are not all of them. It's these. And Mm -hmm. it it enumerates them, which is important in all law, right, is to be able to, to say this is what the law says. So it's important work anyway. Lots of states are actually doing this right now, and they're they're not having any kind of bad, crazy things happening or anything like that. And it's just the right thing to do. Like, there's a lot of people who have been arrested and who've come out, and they want to do the right thing. They want to be a member of society, and they just can't. Right. Right? Yeah, Second Chance for Georgia has been telling um, the story of this young woman who had some convictions for shoplifting in her late teens, and then had turned her whole life around and 15 years later, you know, put herself through school and wanted to become a teacher and couldn't get a teaching license because she had this old misdemeanor conviction. She didn't even realize when she put herself through school and paid right, all that, that money. This would ever be a problem. Probably got into debt. Passed the state 
exam, right? All that, ready to be a school teacher, ready to help people avoid the kind of mistakes she made. Yeah, and had no idea that this could come back so much later. And there it was, right? Yeah. So we want to help people like that just kind of integrate back into society and you know be be productive citizens. There's yeah. no reason not to do that, especially since we're so aware of the differential um, outcomes in the justice system across race and class, the uh, incentive to limit the amount of time that that injustice can screw up your life should be high. Yeah. Even just as a way of making up for some of the things that we've screwed up in the justice system in the recent past. Right. And we know um, even, even like away from the humanist argument about like, these are people that should be able to live their lives. Like from an economic standpoint, you're oh, actually yeah. so saying much these revenue people, we're missing out. Yeah, these people could come back in. They could they could be being productive members of society in lots of ways. And we know when people have jobs, that's that's good for the economy. That's more money that they can go out there and spend. That's you know, like there's a lot that goes into that. And they can support a family legally. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah. one of the major causes of recidivism is that people can't get you can't go get a job, so you right. fall back into your life of crime. Right. So you yeah. find other ways to make money. Yeah. That don't check your background. Right. Right? Yeah. And I'm sure many of us can imagine ourselves doing worse to put food on the table. Yeah. You know, but there's no reason to keep pushing these people out of the legal economy, especially with this kind of skills gap we have in Georgia. Right? Yeah. I, I need you in a six-week training program to be a welder. I don't need you yeah, <laughs> sitting, sitting in a cell. All right, so um, that was it for the legislative update. Um, we will typically have a little bit more. Um, well, and it'll get a little um, once we know the crossover day and when bills are yeah, finite. We'll they're very finite. There'll be a lot more calls to action. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll be working on that. Um, but I wanted to also kind of give some shout outs to our affiliates all over the state. Um, and some upcoming events. Cause like I said, I, I know some of y'all don't trust Facebook and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where a lot of the events are. We're also on lpgeorgia.com. If you go into the, um, there's an events page on there and that should have most of these. Um, I'm really working on getting them to enter them all. So if you're listening to this and you're an affiliate leader, enter it into the website, please. Yeah. <laughs> Help um, us help you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so the upcoming events, uh, we're, we're going to do this sort of in, in order of um, timing, but also mostly in order of of county. So the uh, Libertarian Party of Fayette, Coweta County, they are, so they recently uh, took over, Fayette recently took Coweta and is, is trying to organize there too. Um, but they are... Uh, I'd say tomorrow, I think this will probably go out on the 2nd. So March 2nd, they're doing uh, Family and Freedoms Pizza Night at 6.30 p.m. at Partners 2 Pizza in Tyrone. Um, that's always a good time. It's very low-key. It's not any kind of business meeting. There are kids running around. It's a pizza buffet, and there are arcade games, and uh, it's just a nice time. So that's, that's always a good one, and that is um, what will probably be tonight when this comes out, so March 2nd. Uh, and then they have their monthly meeting on March 28th, and they are theming their monthly meeting, Let's Talk About Schools. And it's all about school choice and uh, different ways to educate your kids. And that is at 1 p.m. at Line Creek Brewing Company in Peachtree City. 
next up is the Libertarian Party of Middle Georgia. So that's um, it's like the Macon area, and then it goes kind of east of there. It's, it's a bunch of counties. Uh, I don't have the list on hand, but they are meeting in Dublin. So if that helps you understand where they're at, on March fifth. They're having their monthly meeting at 7 p.m. at the Pickle Barrel Cafe and Sports Pub in Dublin. <laughs> well, isn't that quaint? Yeah. Yeah, that's where we went to meet when we, uh, like I said, they just affiliated last last month. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a good group. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to come out of that. Uh, but the Libertarian Party of Chattahoochee Valley, and that is the Columbus area, as I mentioned earlier. They have a meeting also on March 5th. It's the Liberty Happy Hour, and it's at B. Merrill's in Columbus. And then the Newton, Rockdale, and Walton County Libertarian Party is not a thing, but they want to be. And so they're having an organizational meeting to meet up and affiliate those three counties um, on March 8th. And that is at 4 p.m. at Depot Sports Bar and Grill in Covington. So if you're looking to build up a party, look, uh, build up an affiliate, uh, and you live in or around Newton, Rockdale, and Walton counties, um, go on out there. <clears throat> Atlanta, we just did our park cleanup today. But um, March 21st, we're uh, they're doing this uh, open hands meal delivery. So the new chair of LP Atlanta has been big on... Um, volunteerism and getting seen and, and, and doing good in the community. Um, and one of these things is open hands. So they go and they deliver meals to people who need them. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of kids and they need at least five volunteers to go out and deliver meals. Yeah. Delivery is, is the key here. It is about taking meals to people who need them. It is the transportation. You are not expected to cook or provide any kind of food. Yeah. They do a training so that if you've never done it, they'll do a training at 10 a.m. And um, all the details are on the website. But they, uh, they'll they do the training. But really, you're just going to get in your car. You're going you're gonna to go where they tell you to go. And you're going to deliver the meal. It's, that's, it's as simple as that. And it's from... Um, the training's at 10 to 10.30, and then it's only till like 12 or 12.30. Um, so the details of that are at Open Hands Meal Delivery. Um, I don't have that website, but there's also the Facebook event on LP Atlanta's page that has a link to it. And you, you can sign up, and as you sign up for it, it'll say what organization are you part of, and you can click LP Atlanta, and it'll add you to our group so that you know they know that we have this group of however many people coming. Um, all right, so the next thing on LP Atlanta's uh, schedule is the very next day, we have our monthly meeting at 2 p.m. at Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta. We always have our meeting uh, there and on the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, and then Gwinnett County on March 23rd has their monthly meeting. It's at 7 p.m. at McCray's Tavern in Lawrenceville. It's right on the square. Um, it's good food, and those folks are really great. I've been to a couple meetings there. And the next one is LP Habersham County, and that is on March 28th. It's their monthly meeting. It's at 7 p.m. at Whistletop Brew Company in Cornelia. Um, so that's that's all the upcoming events that I had. Again, if I missed anything, it's because it needs to be on the website. <laughs> um, sorry, I have to give them a little crap. Um, but that is all I had scheduled. Did you have anything else you want to add, Lauren? Nope. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find the Libertarian Party at lpgeorgia.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash lpgeorgia. On uh, Twitter, we're 
Ooh, man. I'm not sure. I think we're LP Georgia on there, too. But there's one of them that we're not the right thing. Search the Libertarian Party of Georgia. You'll yeah, find us. Yeah, we're there. We're on all the good platforms. Um, and again, if you want to, if you hung in with us this far and you want to support our ballot access lawsuit, go to lpgeorgia.com, click on help, help us and donate there. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin McLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.